Cynthia Bryan from Santa Monica Spoker here, and, and um, uh, it's their show today, really. Awesome. Let's let's introduce ex- Cynthia Bryan. There you go. Step on up, kids. So I'll say I'll say hello, hello, hello. Cynthia Rose from Santa Monica Spoke, uh, the chapter of uh, LACBC that started all the regional chapter stuff. And we are back again uh, a year later after we started this uh, regional chapter LACBC once a month programs. Just seems to, like yesterday. To ring in the next year and start off and see what's happened, see what's going ahead. And uh, here with me is the co-founder of Spoke. Well, maybe, maybe Cynthia, we can give a quick rundown of, of like the format of what's what people can expect on today's show. How about that? So that is a good way place to start. Today, we're going to talk about the recently concluded bike summit in Washington, D.C., and the second ever Women's Forum, which was hosted by the League of American Bicyclists. We will be talking with Eric Bruins from D.C., who's still there. Um, still we working. Will, still working, although I think he finished yesterday. Yeah. But um, he'll give us a, a lowdown and uh, what's going on. And then we will give an update of all the new and bright things that are happening in Santa Monica, what has been, what's looking forward to the future. Then we'll go in to do some updates on some of our local chapters and get some call-ins. And um, by that time, we'll probably be out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Lots to cover. Lots to cover. So we will um, be talking in a few minutes to Eric Bruins. We're going to give him a call right now. Uh-huh. Did somebody, somebody so gonna, text him and give him the number? Oh, I thought you were texting him. Sorry. So, so while we get to this, uh, let's let's just point out that there's been a snowquester. I, I heard this because <laughs> it's like they they talked about the sequester causing all these problems, but it seems like good Mother Nature wanted to get into the to the act. I was talking to all people, uh, Dan Dubeck last night on the art ride, and he was also kind of. Uh, uh, we're we're going to get an interview with him later, and maybe on one of the shows about what he was doing there. But uh, it seems like a lot of people are just thrown by the weather, and apparently there's yet another storm. So the sequester thing may not even happen because of Mother Nature. It wasn't. It wasn't real. The snowquester was, was overblown. Over, yeah, way overblown. We looked outside in the morning expecting to see inches of snow, and it was wet. Yeah. And that's it. It was wet. I know but it was snowing as we were walking to the metro. It was snowing, but none of it was sticking. We had the opportunity to see snow, and um, but um, and it was cold. And it was cold. <laughs> yes, it was cold, but not as cold as it, it, I thought yeah. it was going to be. Um, but we had a. Uh, it never really stuck on the ground in the city. So yeah. It was we a perfect were, excuse for a bunch of people who work for the federal government to, to stay home and, and not was, have to go to work. It was perfect. <laughs> it, kind of put a, it kind of put a wrench in the plans of some of our meetings with our uh, congressional representatives and such because uh, they closed the federal government. Yeah, but and the congressional offices were open, but some, yeah. of the, some of the Congress people... Oh, there's a phone. That's got to be Eric. Some of the Congress offices stayed open. Some, sta- some closed. Hey, this is Eric Brown. So, you're on mic, a big, bright red mic. So, how are you? Good. You're good. Uh, finally enjoying a nice, uh, beautiful day outside the nation's capital. Awesome. It was beautiful on Friday. Is it even better today? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's uh, in the high 50s, clear skies, calm winds. It's, just, it's gorgeous out. Awesome. 
So, as you know, we're calling to get talk about this uh, our bike summit. So, how did your you had meetings on Thursday and Friday, um, even after we left? So, I'll let you just take it from there and and uh, talk about our asks and um, and what you want to tell us. So, by the way, this cool. is Eric Bruins, uh, planning and policy director for LACBC, and who coordinated excellently and so efficiently all the delegates that came from all over California to uh, descend on Washington and talk bike. Go. <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah, there were about 750 people from all over the country that came to D.C. this past week. Um, of those, over 70 were from California. Um, so we had quite the uh, representation here in the nation's capital, which uh, made an impression because as you go into the offices wearing your bike pins and, and walking the halls, everybody knows who you are, what you're asking for, um, and it really just brought focus to these issues uh, in a way. I mean, when, when you have 700 people mob the uh, the congressional offices, they um, they take notice. So it, it, it's a pretty cool thing to be, to be part of. Um, because L.A. County is so big, we have... 18 different members of Congress that represent parts of the county, um, and then we have obviously our two senators. So we met um, with all but one uh, of those representatives in both Senate offices over the three days that we were lobbying. Um, so we got our, we got an audience, and we uh, we made our our case, which was pretty awesome. Um, one of the coolest things was actually getting to sit down. Our, one of our senators, Barbara Boxer, is the chair of the Environment and Public Works Committee, which has jurisdiction over the part of the transportation bill we care about. Um, and so we actually got to sit down with with her committee staff for close to an hour and really kind of go through a lot of the nitty-gritty details about how the transportation bill, which was passed last year, um, is being implemented and kind of what's happening now that it's through Congress and seeing what kind of ways that they can support us as USDOT is implementing the bill. So can you tell um, us a little bit of, like, about the bill and how somebody who's not familiar with that, what that means to us as cyclists and pedestrians? Absolutely. Um, so since, let's see, I'm, I'm going to try to do not the long story, but also not quite the short story either. Um, starting in 1991, there was um, it was the first time that we had an intermodal highway bill, which basically means that um, things like walking and biking were written in and we got dedicated funding under a program that was called Transportation Enhancements. Um, and so part of that, uh, that dedicated funding, you know, was worth millions and millions and millions of dollars in L.A. County um, over those two decades. Um, but with the recent political changes in Congress, um, that kind of became a bit of a political uh, hot potato in terms of why are our gas tax dollars fund going to, to bike paths? Um, and we all know the many, many benefits of biking, not, not the least of which is reducing congestion for the motorists paying those gas taxes. So you can imagine that um, we have this myth of a user fee, and so they want to... Uh, spend the money on things that directly benefit those that are paying into uh, paying those taxes. Um, and so because of that, in the last reauthorization, uh, every about generally every five to six years, the bill, ha- the transportation program has to get reauthorized. Um, and so the last time that happened was last year, and the current bill is called MAP 
21, which stands for Moving Ahead for Progress 21. Um, but progress is kind of debatable because what it did is it reduced funding for walking and biking. Um, the Republicans actually tried to take transit out of the bill entirely and failed, thankfully. Um, and so we kind of survived by the skin of our teeth, and we got a 33% cut for dedicated funding for walking and biking. Um, and also part of the compromise that preserved the program, restructured it, consolidated it. We lost dedicated programs like Safe Out to School is no longer a federal program, um, despite the fact that that was one of the most successful transportation programs in terms of when you actually measure the benefits of it um, more than just about anything else the federal government spends money on. Um, and so, be, so because of that, you know, we're, we're operating in an environment where instead of having dedicated funding streams, we have to compete for the for a bigger piece of the pie against freeway projects and major tra transit projects, um, which is you know, which is kind of the way things are going. The the overall federal program is devolving a lot of decision making down to the state and local jurisdictions. Which, Which is, is good, because right? That's where um, you know that's where we all operate. You know, we have good relationships with our city councils. We have good relationships with our local transportation agencies, um, and we're building those relationships at the county and state level. Um, which is really where a lot of the decision making is going to happen from here on out. Um, but one of the interesting consequences of that is it's still the the federal U.S. Department of Transportation that sets a lot of the standards for how the effectiveness of those projects is measured. Um, and so there's a lot of, of, there's a new attention on what they're calling performance measures, um, which if uh, you've been at all involved in, say, the city, the city of LA's bike plan implementation over the past uh, month or so, what you, what, how we measure things really affects how projects are viewed. So we have a bike plan that because we're measuring it the wrong way, all of the projects are saying that they're going to, well, increase traffic. Well, of course, we know that in order to reduce traffic, we need to get people feel, feeling comfortable outside of cars, and yet all of our measures push people back into cars. And so what we're taking that whole conversation that we've seen play out with the of LA bike plan, and we're now taking that to the federal level and saying how you measure congestion, how you measure safety, and how you measure all of these other things that we want our transportation system to do are going to affect the types of projects we spend money on. And so as bike pet advocates, our job is to make sure that the measures are fair to biking and walking. You know, one of the issues that we have is we don't have very good data about biking and walking. We don't know how many people do it. Um, we don't know really solidly whether, I mean, we know it's growing because you can feel it, well, we don't have the statistics to tell us who's doing it. So it's 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 going to um, how we measure it depends on how much money we're going to be able to put into these projects. Correct? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly it. So so our job as advocates is to make the case for these investments. But in order to do that, we have to have a partner in government that's collecting the data. So up until now, you know, it's been groups like LACBC that does bike counts. So we're able to say, you know, putting in a bike lane more than doubles ridership, but without our data, they, it, it would be an entirely black box. But you can imagine, you know, this is us. We're pretty well organized here in California and L.A., but when you're dealing with state departments of transportation in, city, in states like Oklahoma, they have no idea what's going on on their streets. 
And so we have to set metrics at the federal level that use available data or require states to collect more data. So um, in other words, we have to get the measurements at a federal level so that they can, so the equity can pass down into the local level. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things that we asked for as part of the summit is a specific safety metric for bike and TED um, specifically. And the reason is is because under MAP 21, the bill that was passed last year, um, the Highway Safety Improvement Program funding was almost doubled. Um, so, there, so even though they cut specific dedicated funding for walking and biking, they increased funding for safety. So now our job is to capture as much of that pie as possible and the how mo- you the money pie? <laughs> yes, that money pie. We want, we want money for walking and biking, so we need to, we need to be able to tap into other programs that, are, that haven't been dedicated. Um, and so because we, so we want a specific measure for bike ped safety because what we're finding at the project level is that when you spend money on increasing safety for walking and biking, you, you actually increase safety for everybody. Exactly. So if you spend money on safety for drivers, you don't increase safety for everybody. Um, and, and in fact, you, don't you, don't we have it, it's proven that even when you spend that money uh, to supposedly make it safe for drivers, you end up making it less safe for them because it increases the speeds. That's exactly it. If you, if you t- tell a highway engineer, make a road safer, they're going to make it wider and straighter. And what that does is that increases vehicle speed. But if you are in an environment where you are, inter- you know, that's all fine and good on a freeway, but if you're on a city street, you know, where there are pedestrians, there are bicyclists, there are transit users, there are, you know, buses and garbage Kids. trucks and all these other things, you know, it does not make sense to encourage drivers to go faster, yet that's exactly what the safety measures currently do. And so our job is to change the, the metrics so that way w- w- the DOTs look at these things in a different way. Well, I think I think in the meetings that I was in with you, I think you made a very good point, very eloquently, as you have just now. Um, and there were several other things we were asking for. What was which uh, joining the uh, the bicycle caucus for our yeah. representatives? And there was. Um, you what is that? Can you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so the bike caucus is uh, led by Congressman Earl Blumenauer of. You, I mean, you can guess he's representing Portland. He's the guy you see walking around the halls of Congress with the bow tie and a bicycle pin. Uh, and then on the Republican side, it's Tom Petri of Wisconsin, who's been a real champion over the over the years uh, on a bipartisan basis for biking and walking. But this, you know, the caucus includes all the way, you know, conservative to uh, Paul Ryan and on the left side, you know, Earl Blumenauer and, and people like him. So this is really... Uh, we, we always joke about it being bike partisan. You know, cycling should not be a partisan issue. So, so say, say, Eric, say that again. Bike partisan, right? That's what we yeah. were going for. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, yeah, so that was kind of a, uh, should be an easy ask. And I know that s- several of the people we've talked to have already joined it just in the last couple of days. So, um, nice. so we're working. Eric, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And okay then the, the third you? ask was, you know, a lot of, particularly in LA County, you know, a lot of our reps have been supporters. They've always voted in our favor, but they haven't necessarily been able to see the benefits in their district. And so what we want to do is, you know, have them come meet with our local chapters, meet with our neighborhood bike ambassadors, and see projects. 
Um, you know, come see Clavia. Come, come understand what it is that's changing so fast. Because if you're spending your time jet-setting from, you know, L.A. to Washington every week, you aren't necessarily going to just have the time to come out and see what's happening in your city and in your district. And so we want to make sure that they're able to see it. And so that's um, kind of the other theme of, of the Bike Summit was show Congress, you know, Show them what works. And in LA, we have so many projects that are working. And you know, in your your city of Santa Monica is such a amazing example of what happens when uh, when everybody's moving in the same direction. Um, and we think that we want to we want to take that and scale it to the whole county and the whole country. It seemed like, it, at least in the meetings that I was in, that they seemed very eager to come out and see what's happening on the street and uh, join in and and. Uh, well, see what's happening and see what we're doing in, in, the, in, the, in the individual communities. Um, is that Was that kind of true for all of your meetings or most of them? Yeah, exactly. I think, um, you know, when we started talking about projects, they're always really exciting. You know, everybody loves to, to go to a ribbon cutting. Um, but even just talking about the, you know, we talked at length about the chapters and the neighborhood bike ambassadors and some of the, you know, riding clubs like the East Side Riders and Los Riders and all the other stuff, you know, going on in South L.A., and they just were so into that, and they wanted to meet everybody, you know. And so let's—that's so we that's kind of our follow-up over the next few months—is um, to set all of those meetings up and, and just show Congress what what it is that we're working on and why we're so excited about bikes. Now, when we when we went to um, what well because of the snow quester that shut down the offices, some of us uh, ended up going home, and that uh, was a few of the women that were there representing, and I heard that when you walked into one of your offices, they asked you a, a question where you looked around and said, oops, what was that? <laughs> yeah. I said, where's was, all the women? <laughs> that, that was funny, and of all offices, that was when we walked into uh, Buck McKeon, uh, who's a Republican representing Santa Clarita in Palmdale, and that was the question that they asked us, where are all your women? It was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> We, Colin and I were both there, um, and, you know, all the other 70 people from California and 700 people from around the country, everyone seemed to go away from there just invigorated and excited and ready to just take on everyone in government and, and uh, at their local levels and, and engage them and, and inspire them. And what what else can you add to that? Um, you know, I think one of the things that was really interesting is when we were meeting with, uh, or when we had uh, a couple of congressional staffers address the bike topic, uh, address the whole summit to, to give us advice on how to work with the Hill. You know, she said 30 people will meet with her this week, and four of them will follow up. And so our job is to be one of the ones that follows up and really makes this stuff happen. And so, you know, you, you talk about a, a, a palpable sense of excitement, you know, for the advocates. But our job is to turn that into action, um, and that's really going to be what happens when, when uh, we go back back home and really um, continue the conversation. Well, yeah, I I, I have infinite uh, confidence that we're going to take care of that at LACBC. We're getting a very very. Um, we're following through on all of those things that sometimes went through the cracks in previous years just because we had so much on our plate and we're expanding with the local chapters and and bike ambassadors and it gives us a much larger reach and uh, more manpower out there to just Colin has a question here no no no, I was just gonna um, one of the things that I was gonna comment on is is also uh, I believe it was the 
at the closing uh, reception for the summit, and um, the uh, deputy secretary of LADOT, or LADOT of USDOT <laughs> got up and basically said, "We're we're committed to to bike and ped projects, and we're going to keep the momentum going." Which to me was a really important comment for him to make, given that LaHood is leaving and everybody's been concerned about what is that going to mean. And I was just curious if you had any insight on that from from your perspective, Eric. Yeah, you know, I guess it's what's an amazing is to see the culture change at the top of, of DOT, and what we haven't discovered yet is how sustainable it is. You know, how how deeply has this culture shift permeated the department so that when you do change heads, you know, it, are the mid-level staffers really embracing these things? And you know, I think the verdict is still out. Um, you know, as they do, you know. As they write regulations, including the performance measures we talked about earlier, you know that those are real indicators of whether the uh, whether the change has has broken through at a technical level. Because everybody loves to give money to cool projects and attend ribbon cuttings and do these one-off things, but it's really at this point, if we're going to be in an environment where BikePed doesn't have dedicated funding for it, we need to make sure that the technical stuff. Is, is is working for us, and Makes you know sense. I think we're not there yet, but we're moving in the right direction. And so we'll really, we'll see. We'll I, I think the verdict's out. So making sure the technical stuff actually supports the the funding, so that we don't have to work on it every single time it comes up for for um for distribution. Yeah, I mean you know as as advocates, you know we've all worked on projects. Um, at the local level where, you know, they'll propose to widen some street and then we have to go in and then battle over every single inch for a bike lane when you know that if we had the policies in place on the front end that the project scope would have been right. Um, and we're actually working on something very, very similar at Metro right now. We moved a motion through last week at Metro uh, right before we moved to D.C. that would be the start of getting that, you know, project initiation checklist, which is like when a project, like a, you know, a light rail line is in, is like a gleam, glimmer in, in a planner's eye, like it's right from the beginning, they have to think about how people are going to walk and bike to the station. Um, you know, and so that's the type of stuff, because otherwise, you know what's happening on like Expo Line, where we're battling over every single every design single change, step. because it wasn't designed right properly. Right. That's. The, I mean, I think that's definitely something. Even in Santa Monica, we still have um, is getting it into the programming from the very beginning, and not fixing what's been programmed so far, um, so that it's cr- so that it's right for for biking and walking and supporting the infrastructure that we want to see going and the and the streets that we want to see moving forward. Yeah. So, um, I, I guess the, the other kind of interesting thing, bringing this back to a local level. You know, the federal pie, um, the, the size of the transportation program is probably going to stay the same for the foreseeable future just because we don't have revenues. Um, but while we were in here in D.C., a lot of action was happening in Sacramento, and if I could talk about that for just a few minutes. That's um, where we were headed, so it's perfect. <laughs> okay. Um, so right now uh, the state is figuring out how to spend revenues from the cap-and-trade auction, which as you may know, is um, as part of reducing greenhouse gases, um, 
what, the California that. Air Resources Board is is selling credits to polluters, um, and then the revenues from those credits get to be put into projects that reduce greenhouse gases. Um, and there's been a lot of that of state-level advocacy from California Bicycle Coalition, Transform, California Box, um, and the whole kind of, there's a group that uh, that coalesced around this, um, basically saying that, you know, active transportation is one of the most cost-effective ways to reduce greenhouse gases because when people start their car to drive a mile or two miles, you know, that's a heck of a lot of pollution for very little benefit. And if we could get those trips to be walking and biking, um then we would be reducing our greenhouse gas emissions because 38% of the state's greenhouse gas emissions come from transportation. It's the single largest source. So transportation projects that reduce greenhouse gases really need to benefit a lot from these, from the revenues from cap and trade. And so um, comments were due to the Air Resources Board last week, um, and we signed on to um, to a letter prepared by the, that coalition that... Um, what was that, Transform? Yeah, exactly. It's led by Transform. Um, and so at the state level, we potentially could have uh, some additional revenues uh, toward biking and walking if we get it right. So so for, for the layman, kind of going back a little bit to the to the cap and trade, it's, it's so you, because I've heard it say, well, these people are polluting, so taxing them, that's the way to get around it? How, how, why? Well, because that money goes into projects that ultimately help clean our environment and reduce the need for some of those other polluters to do for the like transportation and so on and so forth. So just kind of get that down on the simple level for it's because it is hard for some people to understand are registered to use their curriculum and um, that teaches people the confidence and their rights and responsibilities as they ride on the road so that we can share the road with cars and they know what we're going to do and they know what to expect of us that's kind of a really short thing on that so unless you have anything else right we're going to move on to our next uh, caller is that anything else you want to add that's it for me. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for calling in, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Great um, great job out there in Glendale, and we'll be seeing you at one of the next regional partnership meetings. And I think Colin wants to say something. I just wanted to say thanks, Rye. <laughs> Thank, well, I think big thanks have to go out to Colin, too. He's the troublemaker that got everything started in Glendale, so we got to tip our hat to him whenever we, are, when we can. So. There's a lot of hat tipping going on around here. It's just a big, <laughs> it's a big bike love fest. All right, thanks, Ryan. Yeah. We will thanks. we will talk to you soon. Thanks a bunch. Big, big wet bike bye kiss. Bye. <laughs> now, uh, I wanted to add. Also, you were talking about the LCI program for the League of American Bicyclists. I had the opportunity when we were in D.C. I did spend a little time with Alyssa Simcox, who's the education director for the league, and talked to her a little bit about what's coming with their curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is boy, is this wonky, uh, but. <laughs> Um, well, one of the things is you, as uh, we didn't haven't mentioned yet, is that the league's actually introduced a brand new logo. Yes, which is true. kind of like a version of their old logo, and um, and they also are revamping their website and everything. So I was talking to Alyssa Simcox about you know what does that mean for the education programming, and she said that there are changes coming down the pike. That I, ha- I have I have heard of. Some yeah, of those. so um, you know 
they're basically they're working on a whole set of curriculum that's like more short version curriculum as opposed to the nine hour traffic skills 101 class this has kind of been the staple for a long time and she basically said that they're planning on making this curriculum available online uh, and is going to include video content and uh, they're going and it's going to be modular so there's going to be things like oh here's here's material for beginners here's material for intermediate here's material for advanced and um, so that's that's coming down the pike. I think she said it was going to be available towards the end of the summer. But I, I'm pretty encouraged by that. And standardizing um, the so that when you teach in one, uh, if you take a class in one state, it's going to be the same in another. It's kind of the same yeah. now, but they're updating all the the huge binder that you receive when you go to be. <laughs> yeah. uh, Colin, uh, Brian, and I are all league certified instructors, and when you get that book in the mail, just in the head of that class, you're like, what did I get myself into? Do I have to read yeah. all this? Oh my gosh! Man, I just want to ride my bike. I don't want to read all this stuff. <laughs> it's a binder. It's, it's a, a, a two-inch, three-inch thing. It's a big three-ring binder full of content. Nice. But what we find out when we take the class is is that uh, you, some of that is just your, your support materials so that you have that to go back to. It's not what you have to read to pass. And uh, it's, it's basically what you need to is, 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 uh, is know your rights and responsibilities, which I think every cyclist should know. You can't, you can't or shouldn't uh, bend the rules until you know what the rules are. So when you know what your responsibilities are, I think it makes it uh, easier to share the road with cars because they know what to expect of you. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm excited about some of these these new aspects, these uh, revised curriculum pieces that are coming down the pike. I think it's going to make it, like you said, it's going to make it more standardized and clearer for everybody, um, because it's kind of been up to each individual LCI to sort of extrapolate what they want to do, and so there is there is some potential for variation in there, and so this is going to, you know, this should make it a little more consistent. So it looks like we have another call. Yeah. Who, do, who do we have now? I think we've this got. This should be the very La- patient Lars from our Lars. from our newest regional chapter out Lars. in Downey. Excellent. Hello, Lars. Hello. It's Hi, a little Lars. difficult to hear you. Okay. Well, you can. I, only one person can hold the phone, so that's why I and I've taken it over every time. Apparently. Okay, I can uh, hear you just fine. Good. So I have met Roger. Now, what Brian was saying is that. Glenn uh, Downey, sorry, is our newest regional chapter group, and I had the pleasure of meeting Roger at the um, Move LA conference, and then seeing him again, uh, I think at an SMC um, uh, bike corral opening. But I have not yet met you, so congratulations and welcome to the fold of the regional chapters um, bike love fest. Well, thank you very much, and we're delighted to become to become a part of it, and it's really timely in the city of Downey right now. I hear that you've been kicking it up in uh, Downey for quite some time. <laughs> that was that, those are Roger's terms. I I got into it myself through the environmental advocacy aspect of bicycling, and I was temporarily retired and looking at getting around Downey, which is designed like a classic seventies uh, vehicle infrastructure, and deciding that I didn't want to do that in a car so i ultimately focused my own environmental interest on bicycling in downey and then roger and i got in touch when he found me on facebook a a year ago last october as he was just finishing an environmental science degree at ucla 
and with the help of a couple of other individuals who already were advocating for active transportation and bicycling in Downey, um, we got the Downey Bicycle Coalition underway at roughly Christmas time. Well, congratulations again. And Thank I hear you. you. I hear you got a grant just right out yeah. of the gate here. You applied. We and did. Uh, thanks to Eric Bruins at LACBC and Roger's participation, we submitted a grant application for one of the Kaiser Community Grant Programs, and we have a Kaiser in Downey, and we got a, a great startup grant. Um, that for that we're really honored to have for uh, a, for an organization that's as young as we are, and we and it'll help us. Um, we think to help bring public attention through the monthly bike rides that we started at the beginning of the year, last Saturday of every month. Um, attendance at those has been somewhere between three dozen and as many as seventy people, and wow. it's bridging. Um, all age ranges, although the focus has been kind of student age. That, that is impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Um, a good part of that, and, and Roger, who's, who has acted as, uh, he, he's been interning at LACBC, so he knows that those numbers are good starting numbers, and we're happy about that. Uh, part of that has to do with the fact that one of the people involved at the beginning is a very active Kiwanis member in town who's also a, a teacher in the in the local school district and the their Kiwanis clubs uh, at the high school level that have been deeply supporting environmental uh, issues for a while and so they got behind the bicycling thing in a big way and not only that but through a uh, a program that Kiwanis sponsors in the California, Nevada, Hawaii region, um, they've just started a child's training session that goes along at the same time as our monthly rides that's through the uh, Kiwanis Pediatric uh, Trauma Prevention Program. So we've got children taking learning bicycle safety and skills while the grown-ups take rides. That that perfect perfect combination right there. Our children are our future. You know, I think I don't think anybody disputes that, and they need to be safe out on the roads. And they they when they learn how to ride bikes from the beginning, it becomes part of the fabric of their life. By all means. And that's why the Netherlands are, you know, and, and, and European countries are so far ahead of us because they teach them these things in school. And that's, I think, part of the battle that you probably agree that we have as advocates is that people get on a bike and, yes, they learn, they know how to ride a bike, but they don't know the rules and they don't know their rights and they end up actually making it more dangerous for themselves because they're timid and they're not assertive enough out there and that's by teaching children at a, in in the schools we can solve so many of those those uh, hurdles that then they won't have to uh, deal with later on yeah so and love, we, we see that kind of stuff on the streets in Downey like I mentioned the, we have residential suburban streets and we see people riding their bikes on the left hand side and obviously they don't they don't know what they're supposed to be doing and they don't help the cause really that yeah. way so that's they, part they of everything we're doing yeah and they don't really realize the dangers it's like we, uh, we no. uh, brian was on the bus the other day and he was you want to tell that story about the woman and the uh the um running what was it running a red light 
Or stop signs? I know. Uh, yeah, it was just, um, you know, every time I'm on the, the bus with my folding bike, somebody has to talk to me, which is uh, great. Um, but it, it parlayed into a, um, a conversation about um, she saw somebody getting pulled over, a cyclist getting pulled over, and uh, that parlayed into a conversation about red lights and stop signs. And when I brought up the fact that you had the same rights and responsibilities on a bike as an automobile, she was kind of taken aback. Um, and when I said, yeah, you can, you know, get she a ticket. She was back out. She was like, what? Get yeah. out. <laughs> I told her, you know, you can get a ticket for running a red light. You can go on your license. She was, she was like, what? She was like, shut up. Like, get out. And uh, I was like, yeah. I'm like, you can't run stop signs. You can't. And she was like, but, but. And I'm just like, well, think about it. Like, you, I mean, do you want to be running stoplight? Like, it's not safe. I mean, why, why would you not have to follow the rules of the road? I mean, you're just a different you know, you're you're moving around on the road. You're not in a car, but you know it's the same rules. It's the same rules apply. And I guess a lot of the time, I feel like I see cyclists breaking the rules out there, and I get really upset. Um, and I feel like they're doing it on purpose. But I'm starting to really um, come around to the fact that um, you know, I I honestly think a lot of these people just really don't know, and for some reason. Um, it doesn't occur to them that they need to follow the same rules. And they see, I guess, so many people out there not following the rules that it just reaffirms that fact. And so that's why on the education front, we really have a lot of work to do um, to really, you know, get that get that information out there and let people know. Because um, we go a long way to keeping people safe um, and also to reducing the conflict that we have with automobile drivers on the roads. Because a, a lot of the automobile drivers, they just they hate cyclists because they see them doing these things that are dangerous. Um, and, you know, and they don't know. It's causing this uncertainty on the road, you know. And when they have people, they think it's, they look both ways in the intersection. They start to go in their car, and then a cyclist, like, flies right in front of them, makes them slam on the brakes, makes them scared. And then that scared turns to anger, and, you know, and that's, they start painting us all with the same brush. And it really makes our jobs as advocates a lot harder um, when that's what we're fighting against in every single meeting and every single, you know, blog post and editorial and comments and all this stuff so which is which is not to say that 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 there are drivers out there that need to have their licenses taken away because they can't <laughs> they can't continue to be aggressive and and uh and run us off the road so i think the education what brian is saying is a two-way street there's we need we need driver education and we need we need um uh bicycle education uh of the drivers of, of the operators of well, all vehicles we're learning we're learning that in downey and along uh, the, the high school kids who ride and even some of the adults are learning from guidance from those of us who've been out on the roads or who read up on the rules um more rules than than they seem to have known to start with so it's a it's an education process that we're ho hoping to develop at the at the elementary school level, but also we realizing in a city that's still pretty new to bicycling, with no infrastructure to speak of, that we've got a lot of educating to do. And so far, our rides are short and more social and more for public awareness than for really seasoned riders anyway. They're averaging about six miles each. But there are two other things, as long as I'm getting in my piece for, for, for the new Downey Bicycle Coalition that I would like to mention. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, we, part of the great timeliness of our coming into existence in the city of Downey is that um, our, our mayor this year, who's uh, 
in his second four and final four-year term as a city council member, um, has initiated a, a one-year Healthy Downey campaign where he's strongly advocating for healthy activities. In fact, he's uh, organized an, uh, a twice-monthly walk for the for the local community, which he leads at one of the high school tracks. And that's the mayor leads the walks. The mayor leads the walks. That yes, is fabulous. And, the mayor walking the walk. And so he he's developing partnerships with with other communities, and we consider ourselves uh, to degree to a degree of part of that. Um, it, there's no and, doubt that you are. Beyond which, um, we are now in the process, thanks to this raised consciousness about bicycling, in the process of applying for uh, a Caltrans grant, uh, grant to go ahead and get a bicycle master plan together, which the city of Downey does not yet have. Well, best of luck to you, and it looks like you have the partnership with the city and, and businesses that's going to set you catapulting in the right direction. Well, I think we're headed that way, and if I may quickly mention one other thing, part of that partnership will um, is that we are uh, hosting uh, a, a bike ride on the city's annual Kids' Day, which is just three days after Bike to School Day this year. Well, the date, the, the date is the 11th? Uh, the May, May 11th is our kids' day, and then, of course, we're doing what we can to try to get some kind of momentum for Bike to School Day started for this year, but we'll be working on it every year in the future. Well, that is fabulous, and I, I hate to cut it a little bit short. We'd love to hear all, and we will hear again what's going on out in Downey, and look forward to just hugely wonderful things. Um, the momentum is going out there in the valley. We've got you. We've got Montebello Bike Coalition. Congratulations. Welcome to the fold, and Lars, we will be talking to you again soon. Okay. Thanks a lot. It's Thank been a pleasure talking calling. to you. Thanks, Lars. Bye-bye. And we're going to go to a quick break to some music, and then we'll be back. This is Bike Talk at Kill Radio. Kill Radio. KPFK on the podcast. And KPFK on the podcast. All right. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? Those long days of wishing and waiting are finally over. And the proud new owner can look forward to enjoying his bike in many ways. For bicycling is a healthy, active sport enjoyed by almost everyone. Not only does it provide vigorous outdoor exercise, but it means quick, easy transportation to and from school. It's a nice, fast way of getting from one place to another. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. Do they know there are so many of us? Do they think we are all alone on this dusty road? We're our fair city, she fades. We are far from home, we must say goodbye. Say goodbye, we are home. 
in the alleyways that talk to each other. The buildings in the avenues unfolding in front of you. Buildings in the avenues unfolding in front of you. I like my bike, it's fast. I we are back at Bike Talk, and we're going to go to Steve Herberth, who should be calling us any minute, and they are the Culver City Bike Coalition. They are one of our uh, close partners in Santa Monica, and um, they have gotten some new stuff going on over there uh, yeah. well, with grants. Yeah, <laughs> right there on the phone, uh, right on cue. Steve Herbert is also the engineer over at KCRW, so he's pretty rad. All right, here we go. My man, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Fine. Are you listening in? Have you? Heard? I have been. It's funny because I'm. I, I was just. It's about a five second delay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on. There is. Um, the 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 big one that we're working on here is Cyclavia coming down from uh, downtown LA to the sea. Culver mm -hmm. City uh, and Main Street is going to be one of the stops. And the uh, business improvement district for downtown Culver City and the city of Culver City in combination with Sony Studios have kicked in some money and we're going to have a large bike valet there with I heard about uh, that Sony Studios kicking in Say again? I heard about that um, Sony Studios kicking in that was a nice little uh, contribution Yeah, yeah, well it's it's a matching type of fund so they're looking, still looking for money from some of the uh, other businesses and residents here who uh, want to make that happen but um, it looks it, it's uh, we're, we're planning very much for a, a large bike valet to be held uh, right next to the Culver City uh, Hotel, uh, basically Main Street uh, in Washington, a block from Venice, and uh, all of the uh, the major uh, businesses there are uh, planning on I think going to be doing a lot of bikey uh, discounts and things to get people interested there, as as well as it just being sort of a uh, almost a midpoint in the route there, so it should be a really uh, popular and nice place to stop and, and, and look around. So, um, not to pull it in, uh, take it away from bikes, but we remember Ciclovia is about open streets and everyone, so I hope they have more than just bikey stuff, along with well, all the great, of course, great, we're great, focusing great, great, great bikey stuff. stuff. But I'm sure, yeah, yeah of course, yes, the, 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 it, it, there will be a lot of ped and, uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting part of the city right there. So they're, they're, they're using it for the opportunity, of course, to uh, expose people a little bit more to what's going on there. I, I, every time I go to Culver City, I'm impressed at how many people I see riding bikes around there and, and the numbers increasing, like in my own city, but definitely in Culver City I see it. And, and you know, the women, which is, you know, usually called the barometer for bicyclists and, and, and uh, with their kids on the back. So everybody seems super excited about Ciclovia, and please go on if you have more to tell us about that. But otherwise, you have some other stuff going on with some bike rodeos and some kids' education stuff with Jim? Well, yeah, actually, Jim is the, the knowledgeable one on that, and I, I must apologize because I'm not up on all of his activities. I know he's been very busy with another organization that he's uh, a big part of called uh, Walk and Rollers, and they have been putting on a lot of one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, uh, kid, uh, well, kid events, I was going to say events at schools involving uh, school kids. Nationwide. Uh, I'm sorry? Education for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the best thing about, about them is that um, they're training our future cyclists and people to be on the road, so we don't have so many people riding the wrong way on the streets. And 
so it becomes a little more second nature for uh, our kids again to to get out there and just be the people that you know. Ten years down the road here, we're going to be riding uh, handlebar to handlebar with up and down uh, the streets. Um, I will just get back to Ciclavia for one second and say that we're looking for volunteers to man the uh, or staff, I should say, the uh, the bike uh, valet because we're expecting thousands of cyclists probably midday there and. Uh, anybody who's ever done that before knows it, it, it can be quite busy. So uh, if you're interested in helping, uh, go to our website at uh, CC Bike, that's uh, CC like Culver City, bike.org. And uh, there's a posting there now, and you can go ahead and reply to that that you're interested, and we'll get in touch with the, the, the scheduling. And I, that's wonderful to know, and I think probably people who want to volunteer may forget that, or, or if you go to uh, labike.org, they also have volunteers for Ciclovia, and they can probably filter you down to Culver City as well. But definitely go to ccbike.org to volunteer for um, Ciclovia specifically in Culver City. And this is going to be April This is going to be April 21st, right? Right, right. Yes. Sunday from, uh, uh, I believe it's 10 till 3 is the main push, although... We're told the uh, business district there is going to uh, want us, wants us to extend that a little bit longer, so that people have a chance to to you know eat and and walk around and get a good feel for what's going on downtown. It is beautiful. It is really really has a nice comfortable feel in downtown Culver City. And way I would add to that that if you bike to Culver City and Ciclovia ends at approximately three o'clock, you have an easy ride home on either the bus or the new Expo Light Rail, which ends right there. Uh, in Culver City at this point while they're building the extension that will ultimately go to Santa Monica. Can, can I, uh, and we got we got I got another question here. Hi, I'm, I'm Chicken Leather here with the show and uh, my question is uh, we, we hear all this stuff about uh, Culver City being the end point or the start point for the, uh, the new line but is there any kind of consideration that people are going to bike all the way out to Venice, probably have a beer and then try to figure their way back to... Uh, Let's just say public transportation. Has anybody thought about maybe putting in an extra bus line on the blue, big blue bus or something else? And I'm going to let you uh, answer that with our lovely host. I would think Cynthia might be a little more educated on that since my focus is on uh, with the Culver City uh, Coalition itself and that, that particular rest stop. But I would think it would make perfect sense, given that we have a fair number of uh, metro buses going up and down Venice normally, uh, and uh, I believe the big blue bus has a uh, uh, uses the Expo line uh, at Venice National as a terminus to get back into Santa Monica on some of their routes. I, I don't know exactly what, what Santa Monica is doing, but I will definitely, I would be inquiring about that, but I believe Metro will be, uh, have extra service or at least on the Expo line, extra cars. Um, but um, that's something that we, uh, that Ciclavia should definitely be looking at, and uh, we can definitely put the word out there. They had a meeting, um, I think you were, may have been working, where we had uh, Ciclavia to the Sea, a kind of a community meeting this last um about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and a lot of those questions were answered, and some of them are just, um, they're close. I mean, they're close to, um, they're still in the planning stages, I should say. that It seems close, but uh, there's still details that are being worked out with either the business improvement districts, um, regulations, and, and all that stuff uh, of what's going on um, in the logistics area of how they get that to go. 
The really nice part there, though, of course, is that the Expo Line Terminus is at National in Venice, uh, and uh, you have both the bike lane that uh, it already exists up and down Venice Boulevard, and then it's easy enough to hop on board the uh, the Expo Line to get back into downtown L.A. and that area if you've gone just so far and you just don't want to try to ride it all the way back. Right, and it's important to note that only half of Venice Boulevard will be closed between the sea and La Cienega. So the buses on the other side will be running on, I believe, on Venice Boulevard, and only the buses that are going in the opposite inland direction are going to be rerouted until the end of of the uh, of the event. So yeah, there's 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 definitely some things that they're working on because I, I know some of your um, some of what's going on in Culver City is across the traffic lanes of um, of the route. And I think right, just right. And, and so the city has had to go ahead and uh, fund the traffic control people so that uh, they can get people routed right on into the uh, the rest stop area itself. And for those of us who've been to some of the other cyclovias, it, it should be pretty straightforward uh, because they usually uh, do a really good job of breaking up the traffic and letting people cross. Right, and just in, uh, Eric Bruins has texted us in from D.C. Uh, that they will be running a rush hour frequency on all the on the bus lines on the expo uh, from the terminus into the city. So there will be extra trains, not the usual Sunday trains on on the day of Ciclavia. So Excellent. wonderful so, there, and, and hopefully that will be something to do with the buses also. But I think I said that um, the traffic for Ciclavia was going to be. Well, if, whatever it is, westbound is going to be the is going to be the closed street open right. for Ciclavia, and eastbound is the traffic. So uh, the eastbound buses will be running. It is the westbound buses that will be rerouted uh, during the event from about you know seven or to four. I think is when when the uh, the permit actually goes through. So they won't start immediately at three o'clock going on the should, regular route. Should be a lot of fun. It will definitely be a lot of fun. We can't wait. We worked really hard to get the Ciclavia to the sea, and we'll thank uh, uh, Aaron Paley and, and all the uh, the organizers at Ciclavia, and definitely we had uh, Mayor Villaragosa who said, this will happen. So volunteering for Ciclavia, who needs lots of volunteers, ciclavia.org, um, and uh, you can go to their website and volunteer. Volunteering will also happen at some of the different um, groups along the way. We will definitely require or be looking for volunteers in Santa Monica because we intend to run theater rides since we are so close. This originally wanted to be, or we wanted it to be, uh, Ciclavia from downtown or wherever it was into Santa Monica. And because of the way the funding was, it had to stay in the city of Los Angeles. So we won't have it coming to Santa Monica this time, but it comes to the ocean, and that is the next best thing. So we will be running feeder rides back and forth. Um, or several, more instead of just the morning feeder ride to Ciclavia, we'll run some different themed rides for families and and get people down to the to the beginning point of Ciclavia and let them loose and cut them loose on the road um, and to have a great and wonderful time exploring our city from the perspective of human scale. I so, would also be negligent if I didn't mention there will be a, uh, a bicycle uh, maintenance uh, station supplied by uh, right now it's staffed by Chubby's uh, Cruisers in Culver city and there'll be another one there may be other shops involved <laughs> nice. there and also along the route at motor is uh palm cycles which is uh, has been a really good supporter of the bike coalition for a long time and uh down in mar vista at grandview just before sentinella 
There is a farmer's market, which will be their stop, and uh, Microwave is just a half a block from that location. So there's going to be a lot of really nice bike-friendly things going on along the route here on this end of the, of, of the Cyclovia. I can tell you that uh, the people at the farmer's market are super excited about Cyclovia coming that way, and they are just energetic and planning and just can't wait to have it. They've got all kinds of extra things that they're doing. So... Um, this is going to be a wonderful Cyclovia, as they all are. And uh, this year we have, for the first time, three Cyclovias and two new routes. This one on April 21st. The next one on June uh, 23rd, I believe it is. Don't mark my... June 23rd. And then the other one in October, which will be back to the, uh, back to the um, route that has been done before. But the one in June is going to be a new route that will go kind of up Fairfax and into the West Hollywood area. So, Steve, unless you have anything to add, we're going to move on. Yeah, no, please move on, and uh, great job today, guys. Thank you very much. And thanks, next, Steve. Uh, Brian says, thanks, Steve. I know you can't hear him. And Colin and, and Chicken Leather, everybody here, thank you very much for calling in. We'll talk to you, and we'll wait in now. Uh, Kevin Burton will be calling in from West Hollywood to talk to us here. Um, in the meantime... Uh, Just a quick note on volunteering for Ciclavia. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think it's just the day of Ciclovia that they need help. Um, and actually, in the month or two lead up to, to East Ciclovia event, uh, there's a ton of work involved. They go in person to every single business and every single residence along the way to personally talk to each individual that might be affected by, by the event that day. Um, and they need a lot of people Hi. to Hi. help with that outreach. So. Uh, if you have time before the event, that's one of the hardest parts of putting on the event, hold, hold on um, and they can reuse we'll, your we'll help. So there. get in contact with them, sickleview.org. Just like 30 seconds. Okay. Nope, we're on. Okay, yeah, that's, that, that is a definitely a key with Cyclovia. It takes yeah. a, a huge amount of manpower to get this event to go and, and to keep the, the neighborhood so that they feel that this is part of what they're doing, not just um, being pushed on them. So it's, it's definitely important to have all those volunteers and a big, big thank you to all the volunteers that have been working thus far at previous Cyclovias and um, and uh, and this one already, going out there to each of those businesses and each of those residences to, um, to let them know what's happening and answer any of their questions and hopefully dissuade them from any of their fears. And now we're welcoming from... Uh, West Hollywood Bicycle Coalition, one of the first chapters of uh, our local chapters in LACBC. And with us today is Kevin Burton. Hello, Cynthia. Hello, Kevin. Thanks for, yeah, go ahead. Thanks for having me on Bike Talk. And I've been listening to the whole show. It's been very good, very informative. So compliments to everybody. I just wanted to update the Bike Talk listeners on uh, one thing that's happening for bicycles in West Hollywood, and that is that the city has just completed installing uh, sharrows and signage on Fountain Avenue. Congratulations! Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's an important step, uh, because Fountain Avenue is a uh, pretty high-speed cut-through, but it's been a what? Class 3 bike route for many years. Now, the, haven't uh, the I, bike Kevin? Route I yes. ha sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, but isn't that isn't I remember hearing either you or Tess saying that there were people at some point that they were saying no how no way are you ever going to see Sharrows on Fountain Avenue? Is that true? Uh, well, there were some doubters. I think they're quite a minority, though. We we were confident. 
because we have a good relationship with the city. And um, they, they were quite receptive to that suggestion. And that, that's moved forward now. And they are on the street, along with a lot of new um, signage, share the road signage, these, tri these um, diamond-shaped yellow signs you see. And so the city has installed those both uh, on Fountain and had done so previously on Santa Monica Boulevard. Um, so this this is an important step for us because it connects up with the Sheros on Fountain Avenue in Los Angeles. And uh, any of your uh, listeners who ride in this part of the city will know that if you go on Fountain Avenue a couple of years ago, between Vermont and La Brea Avenue, there are Sheros. That was one of the first Sherrod streets in Los Angeles, which I, is a big I help. I remember that, yeah. Um, now the La Brea Avenue, they stopped there because that was the city limit with West Hollywood. So now West Hollywood's picked up that baton and has uh, laid down the Sherrods along Fountain Avenue uh, nearly to its western terminus at La Cienega. When I say nearly, uh, it's three block blocks short, which is Sweetser Avenue, and there's directional signage there. So if you're bicycling west on Fountain, once you get to Sweetser, you'll see a sign that has a curb there. All the bike rock uh, turns left, which is south on Sweetser, and that goes down three blocks to Santa Monica Boulevard. And the reason for that is that it's a, it's a much safer, quieter residential route uh, than is La Cienega, which is a very steep, high-speed route. And so we thought it would be best to go down Sweetser Avenue. And the and city at, was receptive to that. And at that and, point, um, um, that's very important uh, on, on, to, cut, that, uh, to cut between the two because on Santa Monica Boulevard, and maybe this is what you're getting at, there are bicycle lanes in West Hollywood. Right, and so, so on Santa Monica can, Boulevard, they, they come down Sweetser and then they're fed into bike lanes. Exactly. So it's one block short at the moment. So if you turn right, which means going west on Santa Monica, you go for one block and then the bike lanes uh, start. And that will allow you to continue west through Beverly Hills and Century City and ultimately Santa Monica itself. And so we're, we're very happy about that. And we're going to, the West Hollywood Bicycle Coalition is going to have a little uh, opening uh, celebration ride uh, in, in the early part of April. We haven't decided it's the first or second weekend yet, but uh, anybody who rides through this part of town can uh, check out our Facebook page, We Hope Bike, or our webpage, WeHopeBike.org, to get updated on exactly when that event's going to happen. And um, it's, uh, I think, very important that for people who do ride uh, east-west through this part of town to consider using Fountain Avenue now that the sheriffs are there because we certainly want to demonstrate the city to the city that there are bicyclists uh, bicycling and uh, prefer to have uh, facilities on the streets and it's a good way to demonstrate that is to actually use the street. It's pretty high speed. The, third, the um, speed limit is 35 miles an hour. Uh, motorists do go faster than that from time to time, so it's not really for the faint of heart. I wouldn't, you know, bring your kids there. But if you're comfortable on urban streets, please do consider using Fountain Avenue now that it has the Sheryls and signage. I would, I would add also that it's a better alternative than than riding, you know, basically on on Santa Monica Boulevard in that area, or you know, I mean, I live in Hollywood, right close to Fountain, and it's generally, I think, a better option than riding either Santa Monica Boulevard or um, Sunset Boulevard for that matter. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, um, it's uh, in West Hollywood. It, it opens up to two lanes in each direction, and uh, it's less. Uh, 
the it's less congested than Sunset Boulevard or Santa Monica Boulevard, which are the routes, of course, that go all the way to the beach. Um, so everybody knows that that is a way to avoid those congested streets. And that's good in the sense that uh, it's a nice thoroughfare, not too many stop signs. Um, but the, the bicyclists can uh, benefit from that, but the motorists know that that's a good cut through as well, and so they do cut through and uh, go as fast as they can, which is often over the speed limit. So this is one of the reasons for these sharrows and signs, is because there were a few green bike route signs along there before, but the motorists never noticed those little signs. So now there are lots of sharrows right there on the street in front of them, lots of these bright yellow signs saying share the road, and so we're hoping that this will uh, calm the traffic a little bit and certainly make motorists more aware of bicyclists. And for the most part, uh, most motorists will change lanes and you know get as far away from bicyclists as they can and behave themselves, but there are the odd few who need a little bit more education. So we're and, trying to work and, on and that. And should we say enforcement? Yes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we that's should definitely, say that. That's definitely, I think, what I'm seeing as a missing part of the component is is, uh, is even enforcement for, you know, uh, cyclists that break the rules, yes, but definitely those motorists who are aggressive and, and uh, are not providing us with uh, appropriate passing room or, or unsafe, unsafe or unpassing distance and or speed. But um, Yes, yes, I, I agree with that. Um, uh, education needs to be improved for both groups, bicyclists and motorists. And bicyclists do need to behave themselves because uh, if they go the wrong way and go shooting through stop signs and street lights, that upsets the motorists, and, and rightly so. So I fully support everything that, Brian, you said earlier. Good for you. Um, we, all, we all need to work together on the streets. And, I, and with regard to enforcement, I should say we have a good – the West Hollywood Bicycle Coalition has a good relationship with the uh, local sheriff station. It's the county sheriff that provides law enforcement in the city of West Hollywood, and so we're working with them to Im improve enforcement. Yeah, that's that's uh, kind of a uh, kind of a next step we're working on in Santa Monica. We had a we had a good relationship with the previous piece, police chief, uh, but we haven't we haven't extended the arm to uh, to build a relationship with the new one. Although I think that we uh, I am confident that we will build a good relationship with her. Uh, we have yet to kind of move into that direction and get that done. You know, with you know because we have so much time, we're not busy at all getting all these other things done. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh -huh. Too many things to do. So I'm going to look forward to hearing about when you have that uh, grand opening ride. I remember Brian and I came up for the um, for your press release and event when you opened the bike lanes on San Vicente. So we're I looking forward. That. Yeah, we're looking forward to coming back. We will most definitely come back if at all possible and help you launch those those shares on Fountain. And I look forward to writing those. Did you have any other stuff that you yeah. wanted to share with us? Well, today? we'll we'll try and publish that through uh, the LACBC and other outlets. But uh, people should again, if you uh, are interested in attending the opening this event, celebrate the opening. Or any. Uh, you should look at our website at wehopebike.org or our Facebook page at wehopebike. And that would be anything associated with uh, or uh, West Hollywood, not only this ride, but all yes. the great work that they're doing and uh, other fun events that they're doing. And, Absolutely. Yeah, anything else coming up or anything else you want to share? Or we'll move on to, uh, you know, the nitty-gritty of Santa Monica. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from that, so all please right. do. <laughs> all right. It was great talking to you, Kevin, and thank you for calling in to Bike Talk on Kill Radio. Okay. Thanks, Cynthia. Great podcast. show. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Bye-bye. 
All right. What a bright, what a wind storm here. Yeah. Going on. Yeah. So I think we're uh, we're getting where are we at with, with time wise, Mister uh, Mister Leather. Well, we're going to talk real quickly. Uh, so let's hear a little more about Santa Monica, yeah, let's right? Let's hear about Santa Monica, our host of the show. Well, so it, it's it's funny as we, as we say that uh, I I'm reminded of uh, the uh, the Via isn't going all the way there. Can can we get cities to talk to each other? I mean, even even um, bike weeks over, they're kind of like almost fighting each other. Like, hey, we're going to have a better musical act at the same time. You're doing your your infrastructure thing, and we're going to have a better whatever. I'm reminded of the Diddy Bops being in, in trash bags downtown, and you had to make a choice between them or the the Divas for Pasadena. And I'm saying, well, can't the whole city or all the townships get along, and maybe we can see all the acts and experience all the joys of the ride or something? Because when we're not during bike week everybody gets along on these rides on midnight riders and and all the other things i think it's i think that that's definitely a great question and something that that initially that when we even started santa monica spoke that was the reason we we started the local chapter was because nothing was happening on the west side and now all of a sudden the problem is that we have too much happening and we can't make it to all of it and i find that that even coordinating um events even bike vents within our city is hard to get departments to talk to each other. It's just everybody's trying to do something and so much, which is a good thing, but it also makes it difficult for us on the outside to, who want to go to all of those things. Like, uh, you know, the city and the cities in regards to Ciclovia, the cities definitely were talking. I was part of the, uh, I was a co-chair for the um, Bring Ciclovia to the Sea committee, and we had representatives from, uh, from, uh, what's his name's office? Um, Via Ragosa's office? Not Via Ragosa. No. We had uh, Rosendahl's, Rosendahl's office. office. Okay. We had, we had, yeah, we had City of Santa Monica. We had Culver City, and we had various people from various departments of each of those cities participating and and seeing what they could do to help. And I think what the bottom line came down to is most of these cities didn't have the money to put on Ciclovia, uh. and uh, it was the money was found Via Ragosa found the money, but. The funding had to stay, it had to keep the route within the city of Los Angeles. So that prevented it from leaving the city. The money had to be spent in the city. It was something like that. Open streets are very expensive. Yeah, when you think about it, apparently on this Ciclovia, not to be a downer or anything, but they're going to have four uh, PD and four Metro at each closed crossing. And I think part of this is that's, just that's like it's overkill, it's the it? it's like the first cyclovia. It's the fear of what could happen. And I think that mm-hmm. as we do this, this is going to get better and better and better. And it should get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper because after all, they close seventy miles of roads in Colombia every Sunday. Did you hear that, everyone? Every Sunday. This is something that we're doing two or three, and this time three times a year. Uh, there are ways to make this more uh, efficient, and I think yeah. that the people are definitely working very hard to make that happen. And it's not easy to see that from the outside, but um, I, I truly believe that, that, that they are doing the best that they can to make that happen and, and uh, getting those, those departments to coordinate. 
But unless there's any more questions on Ciclovia, since we are actually running out of time. Yeah, let's hear more about Santa Monica. We're going to talk a little bit about Santa Monica. Yeah, give us the goods. So we had, first of all, just going over a little bit of what we've done, is we had a great, great bike fest this last December. And that was a big event that Mm -hmm. uh, brought children and families out so that they could see the benefits of the bicycle and the different types of bicycles that can carry their children back and forth to school in the form of bike trailers, cargo bikes. We had Joseph from Giant. Uh, Flying Pigeon come out and demonstrate or bring his bikes that the people could ride. We had Setma come out with his beautiful cargo bike and our let people... locally built cargo bikes. Locally built in Venice, California. Moved from Portland. We've taken a little piece of Portland and we got it right here on the west side. I'm coming for you, Portland. And, uh, and according to... Um, uh, Setma, it's, they were talking about that's one of the best bike events he's been to. So we were exceptionally proud, and we're looking forward to doing a great, great one next year. Because, again, what we've been talking about this whole day is the children are our future. And t- teaching these children and demonstrating to them active transportation and a healthy lifestyle is how we're going to move forward sustainably uh, and happily into our future. And reducing the dominance of cars we don't have to take it away from them all we have to do is give people the choice and i think people given the choice they are going to choose to get out of their cars especially when we make the roads safer when we make um when we reduce the traffic speeds when we make it more comfortable for people for people to walk and bike when we make it more comfortable for our seniors to be able to go out and walk on the road and not be afraid to be knocked over either by a cyclist or a skateboarder by having cyclists having a safe place on the road, we eliminate that conflict by having people on the streets. But I, as much as I don't uh, advocate uh, cycling on the sidewalk, I do understand how people end up there sometimes. And uh, it is incumbent upon us to make the streets safer so that they feel comfortable there and they uh, uh, elect to go off the sidewalk without having uh, enforcement to make them do that. So moving forward, um, we have a very What's big- coming up? A very big event coming up, uh, or a big project for us. Um, uh, A year ago, we received a grant from the Alliance of Biking and Walking and Performance uh, Bikes. That was uh, their 30-year, it was part of their 30-year anniversary, and we received a grant to to move part of a project through in in Santa Monica, and that project is the Michigan Avenue Greenway, which is uh, a big component in our uh, bike action plan and a big east-west route. And this is for a a slow street for walking and biking. I will stress that this is definitely something that we want to see in the bike plan, but this is not for bikes. This is a street for everyone so that the residents can come out, enjoy the, the, uh, the neighborhood that they live in, get to know their neighbors, be able to walk out on the streets in the evening with their dogs, with their children. Uh, and it also becomes a, a nice slow street that will connect. Uh, it'll connect from the Expo Line and the West L.A. all the way down to the uh, many of the schools in the area. So it becomes a safe route just to school uh, component so the kids can walk and bike to school. It connects the high school and um, uh, Santa Monica College and the other school that I is for some reason I'm drawing a blank at but that connects you to not only those schools but it connects you to the downtown and the beach so that becomes a, a walkable, bikeable comfortable, safe street for all mm. and that is the Michigan Avenue Greenway and it's now been Is there a uh, specific date attached to this project? Is well, there an event that people can attend? Thank you, 
Thank you, Colin. Sure. We are having our first event for that this uh, March 16th, and that is a uh, community meeting at Virginia Park. But once again, next it's week. next week, exactly. And it's we'll have another right big, um, this will be a walk and biking audit, so you'll be able to walk and bike the street depending on what you want to do. After you hear a presentation on what's going on on the street, we're going to go out and we're going to take people out there and get their input because this this street obviously belongs to the people that live there. And we want it to be uh, something that they own and that they appreciate uh, the benefits of. So whether it be seating or lighting or di- traffic diversion, whatever it is, they need to have a big say in how um, how we achieve the end goals of making this a comfortable street. So March 16th is the first date where we'll, this is a city event uh, that we're participating with. Uh, and... Um, because as well as we got a grant, the city actually got a $160,000 grant to do a study of this project. So that put a lot of money into... ching Yeah, we still... <laughs> More money in the study than actually... <laughs> Well, no, but the, it, it, it'll be an expensive. Uh, that doesn't count, you know. It, it's actually difference like, between a private, privately funded adventure or venture, right, as opposed to not privately funded. Right. At least that gets us all the the the. the the studies and the outreach that we need to actually make this uh, a, a good street for our city and for our residents. So the first one, is, as I say, is March 16th, and then um, we will also have another party in uh, June where we'll come back and discuss some of the things that uh, that happened in the first in the first um, uh, party in the first event. But if right. you have anything that you would want to know, it is smspoke.org, SM, as in Santa Monica, spoke.org, and you can always get updates on what's happening in Santa Monica. We also are working on our pedestrian plan. We got uh, had our bike plan that we passed a little over a year and a half ago, and now we're working on a pedestrian plan, which, as uh, most of us agree and know, it's uh, the, the second part of the component on making streets healthy and safe is a good pedestrian access and a pedestrian plan that allows that that circulation. So it's never just about cars or just about bikes or just about walking. It's all of those three, all three of those things together. So very, very important. Wonderful. So we're getting ready to wrap it up here. Colin's going to give us... What do we have here? Uh, uh, Nick's on the phone. Oh, Nick is on the phone. Well, yeah, that's Nick. Nick. Hi, Nick. Hello. Hey, Cynthia. Yeah, we weren't going to cut it off without talking to you. you were oh, next. good. <laughs> you're on the air. Go ahead, Colin. Thank you're you. on the air now. I hope you're not nervous. No, I am a little. This is totally different for me to, to be on this end. <laughs> so it what's sounds, coming up yeah. with Bike Talk? Um, well, we are. We now have first Saturdays are the, uh, I guess they're calling it Bike Talk Radio, but um, over at KPFK we're, we're having... Um, Elizabeth Williams, who does Cali Bike Tours. I don't know if you know her. From, from Long Beach. From Long Beach, right. So it's like a Long Beach kind of a show. And um, she's got uh, a couple of uh, people that she hosts with, Renee, Elaine Lofton Jones, and John Jones III from Eastside Riders. So that's every first Saturday. And uh, we also have the, uh, the biketalk.com website, which we're trying to keep uh, updated. And the Facebook page is Bike Talk. So that's that's all I wanted to do is pitch those things. And um, and you did great, great show. So so how how about a Twitter account? Do you have a Twitter account? Oh yeah, uh, Bike 
underscore talk underscore KPFK. Really? Underscore? I, you know, I'm not a big Twitter person. I should, I could change it. I'm sorry. <laughs> at, at, at least you're Twitterizing. Okay, well, so we have uh, Elizabeth from uh, Cali Bikes is doing First Saturday, and then we have LACBC who does First Sunday of the Month Bike Talk. Second. Second. Oh, second, 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 second Saturday. Second, oh, that's right. Second Saturday. So we have first Saturday with uh, Long Beach and Elizabeth, and then uh, second Saturday is LACBC and all our regional chapters and all that we're doing. And you know, every Saturday is you, right? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, sure. And, and somebody else. <laughs> you're dreamy. At least one other. Brian says you're dreamy. I'm dreaming. <laughs> so um, we are disappointed not to have you here. We had so enjoyed last time. I remember how tired you got by the end of the our. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sick of too. <laughs> oh, sick of us too. Maybe we won't come back for another no, year, or maybe we will. <laughs> just kidding. Well, why don't we just have like the third Saturday be Santa Monica? Well, there you go. You know, we, we watch what you that. ask for. You may get it. We also have, actually, Brian and I have a, uh, we're launching a website that just, which is going to be very befitting to the, to the, uh, antics that have been going on here. It's Bike Nanigans. And, uh, <laughs> that's a great name. Yeah. We have our, uh, Facebook page, Bike Nanigans, and that's talking a lot about bike touring and, and just all the, the, busting some of the myths on what people think about what you need to do to go bike touring all you need is to get all you need is to want to go enthusiasm enthusiasm and that's 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 we have we are abound in enthusiasm so signing out here for oh. orange and purple uh in santa monica and santa monica spoke and mr bogart and thank you very much for having me here <laughs> thank you Thanks, Kevin. We're the Bike Cage Collective.